Hey, welcome to the 1505 Club. Do you ever get the feeling that your life is a perpetual work in progress? Always striving and changing, but never quite arriving? It can be challenging and exhausting, but maybe we aren't really meant to arrive. Maybe we're meant to be a work in progress, and all we really need to do is learn to handle the pressure of the process. I know that a lot of people struggle with this, myself included. So let's talk about the value of being a work in progress. I started thinking about this topic one day as I was driving. I'm currently working between two offices that are 165 miles apart, while my family is 335 miles away. As I was driving, I was listening to a podcast and someone mentioned the phrase, a work in progress. I was immediately captivated by the concept and stopped listening to what they were saying as I was immediately deep in thought. Considering my own situation, I know the vision I have in my head and what I'm trying to create. But in the meantime, it feels pretty far away. And I don't always feel like I'm making much progress. Do you ever feel like that? Do you perpetually feel like that? I don't think it's uncommon. So I wanted to share some thoughts I had on the subject. And believe me, I'm talking mostly to myself here, but I hope you can benefit from it as well. The first thought I had was concerning Kobe Bryant and his infamous work ethic. The day before Kobe's last game, he went to the gym to work out like he always did. You could say, what's the point? Even if you learn something profound, you only have one game left. What do you expect to come of it? If he decided to take that day off, nobody would have blamed him, and it wouldn't have diminished his reputation or his legacy even one bit. But that's not what he did. The day before his last game, he did what he always did. In his last game ever, he scored 60 points. Most players in the NBA will never score 60 points, but he did it in his last game ever. Again, you might ask, so what? The outcome of that game changed nothing. The Lakers didn't make the playoffs. If he'd only scored two points, the outcome would have been exactly the same. I can promise you that he did not score 60 points for me, or for you, or for anybody else. He scored 60 points for himself, so that he'd always know that he left the game giving his all to the very end. That's the mentality of a winner, and he knew that he would need that mentality long after he left the game of basketball. Shortly after retirement, he created a podcast called The Punies. The Punies is great, but it's a direct product of the mentality that led to that last game work ethic. When my children were younger, I would put them to bed each night with an episode of The Punies, and they loved it. They also came to love Kobe Bryant, even though they knew nothing about basketball. What's my point? My point is that mentality is key to our future. How you do one thing is how you do everything. I'm not suggesting you be detail-oriented and focused on minutia. In fact, quite the opposite. When people focus on details in small things, they then tend to focus on details in big things, and the tendency is to drown yourself into failure. The key isn't the details and the minutia. The key is to focus on the things with the biggest payoff. If there's no payoff, then why would you waste the time? I often see people bogged down in the minutia of details when it's obvious to me that even if they attain perfection, there is no payoff. Stop doing those things, and the sooner you stop, the better. This is when people often give the excuse, well, I'm just a perfectionist. I recently heard a psychologist define perfectionism. He said it's a need to micromanage, but an unwillingness to be judged for it. If you consider yourself a perfectionist, 
or if you allow yourself the excuse for your inexcusable behavior, then you need to knock that off as well. There was a time when I thought myself to be a perfectionist. I'm a quick decision maker and I tend to stick to it and I care about the details. But as I aged and hopefully matured, I learned to become comfortable and even relish the messiness of life. I found that most people, whether perfectionist or not, don't like the messiness. They much prefer order. But the messiness that everyone avoids is where all the opportunity is. So get in there and start creating order from disorder. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to start making it better. That, my friends, is a work in progress. And that's exactly where we should be. I know that's something that's very difficult to settle in your spirit sometimes. It just doesn't feel right. But this is the point where the intellect must overcome the feelings. It's an important point of philosophy that animals act on instinct, which is essentially a feeling. Humans are unique because they can harness the power of the intellect to overcome the feeling of instinct. And this is something called the will. We usually use it in the phrase willpower, but the will is not something to be ignored. The will is ever-present, but if we fail to anchor it and aim it appropriately, then we'll almost inevitably default to having it serve the purpose of selfishness and even hedonism. The problem with this might not immediately be obvious, but selfishness rarely gains us what we might imagine that it would. In the end, we discover that the journey is less about what you gain and more about who you become. So who are you becoming? Is life making you better, or is it just making you bitter? It seems if I can oversimplify this for just a moment, that the greatest challenge in life is learning to tame the ego. This isn't a new idea, but I can take it all the way back to Socrates. Socrates said that humility is simply polished egotism. He further said that if you can't be arrogant, you can't be humble. So the depth of your humility is equal to your arrogance. In contrast, he said, the wise man simply lives without either. As my mom used to tell me, I think she got it from C.S. Lewis, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I wonder if it's a Gen X thing, but this week I heard a conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss. They both agreed that if someone was young and living at home and looking to get started in the world, they said you should find the highest level person you possibly can who will allow you to work for them for free. I know that if you're a millennial or a Gen Z, then your gut reaction to what I just said is, oh, absolutely not. I know it just doesn't feel right, so hear me out here. I once had a friend who owned a real estate company. In his office, he had the top-selling agent in the whole town. He also had what was probably the worst-selling agent in the whole town. She sold one, maybe two houses a year on a good year. He was lamenting the fact that the good agent was not bringing up the bad agent. We were in the office alone, so they weren't around. I grabbed a chair and I set it in front of the head agent's desk. I said, if I was the bad agent, I won't say her name, I would camp out right here and start taking notes. If she did something I didn't understand, I would ask her why. I'd also ask what I could do to help her for free. That last step would cause me to double my sales just by accident with no effort. So why wouldn't the bad agent do that? Well, in a word, ego. That agent eventually left the business less than a year later with a lot of excuses and blame for everyone but herself. When I was a student, I found doctors in the area who I could learn from. I'd work for them for free, just so I could learn what they knew. Zig Ziglar famously said that you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want first. It seems most people today think you can have everything you want in life if you can just get enough other people to do it for you. 
Some of this old wisdom has become lost wisdom, but it really does still work the way it always has. Sometimes we get tired of working and we think or say, why can't it ever be easier? As John Maxwell says, that's because all the good stuff is uphill. You either have to work to get up there, or you can coast to the bottom where you surely don't want to be. The point is that we're all a work in progress. Our office is a work in progress. Our technique is a work in progress. And our entire life is a work in progress. That isn't just okay. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. So how do we take a work in progress and turn it into growth? My simple answer is to not see obstacles as failures, but to see them as opportunities that will develop your character and move you to the next level. I know that's not something people generally want to hear, but in real life, you will have difficulties. Every successful person will tell you that they've learned far more from their failures than they have from their successes. John Maxwell has a saying that when a man with money meets a man with experience, the man with the experience will get the money, and the man with the money will get the experience. Don't discount the wisdom of this saying. With patience, we'll always have these patients who don't get fixed up as quickly as we think they should. Those are the ones that will teach you something profound. The successes are nice, and they keep us from getting too down on ourselves. But it's the struggles, and even the flat-out failures, where we make the progress and learn the lessons that make us better. When you find yourself stuck at a work in progress, and you're not making progress, there are only two ways out. One is to get clarity on the most important thing. Where are you going, and what do you have to do to get there? Then double your efforts and put everything you have into making it happen. In this scenario, the problem is usually that we're distracted and we're trying to go too many different directions at the same time. That means that the solution is as much about focusing in the right direction as it is about removing the things that pull us away from that direction. The other reason we sometimes get stuck and fail to make progress is because we need to pivot. But we fail to make that pivot. If you aren't making progress, Maybe it's because you should be doing something different, or maybe just doing it in a different way. Either way, until you make that change, you're going to just keep beating your head against the wall and feeling frustrated, when you should be making a change. Probably just a simple change, but a change nonetheless. As Yogi Berra famously said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. It might seem funny, but that's some sage advice. I guess the point of all this is that you shouldn't beat yourself up because you don't think you have it all together. Honestly, none of us do, especially the ones who seem the most like they do. What you see that makes you think that they have it all figured out is probably just the fact that they've learned to live or even thrive in the chaos, not that they've ever made it go away. Sometimes the difficulty we face is not knowing if we're stuck or just making very slow progress. There are times when our progress is so slow that we can't perceive the gains that are being made. I recently went to my kids' ice skating class. My wife was in, the, was in the class on the ice with her skates, and I was sitting on the bench. At different times, both of my kids came over to tell me how they were done with ice skating because it was too hard and they weren't making the progress they expected. By the way, this is like their second lesson. First, I had to explain to both that their expectations were way too high. You can't expect to be a pro in one week, but you have to keep working past the point that most people quit trying. Then I told them, pretend you're really good at this. What would that look like? Now go out and just be that person. It was only a short time ago that I realized when I was a kid, I was often made to feel bad if I was too good at something. I was expected to hold back and even lose intentionally 
even though those losses would be used to ridicule me if necessary. This caused me to develop a bad habit of only giving half effort and not really caring whether I won or lost. The ridiculous part was realizing that what I was doing was to gain approval that I was never going to get. That approval was never even an option. I just thought it was. It was very freeing to let it all go, put the pedal to the metal, and just pursue becoming the best I possibly could, and not worry about whose feelings I might hurt because I was good. Now, I don't know your story, but it might be worth it to take some time and really think about what holds you back. Do you have a fear of failure, or even worse, a fear of success? Where does that come from, and what do you need to do to get past it? You are a work in progress, but progress can only happen when you first remove the obstacles. Let me give you one more story that's had a huge impact on my thinking. Many years ago, when I was coaching football, I had my team in the weight room working out weekly. I got my bench press up to about 230, but then I plateaued. No matter how hard I worked, I could not get it to improve. I then realized that I was using my triceps too much, and that was actually holding my pecs back, the very point of the exercise in the first place. What I thought was an effort problem was really a technique problem. So I got my elbows up, and I changed my technique. My bench immediately dropped to about 150 pounds. Ugh, how embarrassing. I stuck with it, and I held on to my new technique. And about a month later, I was benching 315. The moral of the story is that sometimes you have to go backward before you can go forward. Sometimes we're stuck because we're trying to push forward in a direction we can't go. If you're never willing to go backward, you may find that you're never able to go forward. Well, I hope you found this helpful. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. I know that most of our barriers are self-erected and they only exist in our mind. We need to have the courage to do battle with the inside person to unlock our full potential. It's often the thing we want to think about the least, but we need to think about the most. As always, I hope you have the very best week possible. I'll see you again next time.